Hey guys, it's C.S. Joseph with csjoseph.life doing another episode for season 21. This is going to be episode 7. Episode 7 includes uh, how to social engineer ESFPs. Uh, this is a particular episode that I've had to spend a lot of time thinking about and also trying to come up with how exactly I'm going to uh, present it because the content with this particular scenario. As you are aware, uh, with... Uh, social engineering uh, episodes, we've been uh, selecting a scenario that has like more of a positive or negative uh, tint behind it or motif uh, so that you could see how social engineering is a positive thing and a negative thing, etc. This particular episode, I don't know, some people are definitely going to see it as negative, some other people are going to see it as positive. It just depends who you ask. Uh, so I'm going to try to be as neutral as I can. Um, and yes, I have not been around uh, for a bit uh, because of the Thanksgiving holiday. I took my uh, two little ones and we went and uh, visited my family <coughs> uh, two states away. And I literally drove 32 hours uh, total uh, to make that happen. That's not including the hideous amount of driving that I did while I was actually there. Uh, so yeah, good times in Seattle. Seattle was fun. It's always great to uh, visit Seattle. Besides, I kind of visit there like twice a year anyway, uh, because I have uh, one of my amazing doctors uh, that I uh, see out there on a regular basis, and I scheduled an appointment, and we made that happen. So awesome. It's nice uh, to be able to uh, get my health back on track uh, while we're doing all that. Had a great holiday. Uh, had some challenges uh, for certain, but I think uh, definitely uh, the, uh, the result of that is going to be worth it. So we'll find out. Uh, that being said, how to social ESFPs. This particular episode has taken me a lot of time to not necessarily plan, but just reflect on it because of the content of this episode is going to be a bit more close to home than with most people. Uh, now, as you know, as we do social engineering episodes, uh, we focus a lot on uh, providing scenarios. We talk about the types involved. We do the social engineering process. Uh, that includes uh, pessimism versus optimism, etc. cetera. And, uh, and we do it uh, cleanly as a result of that. Uh, and uh, based on that, I wanted to use a scenario that kind of meant like made a little bit more sense for most people. And so the content of this particular episode is going to have a lot of anecdotes because I used to be married to an ESFP and I think it would be really important for people to see some of that interaction. So I am going to have a lot of anecdotes in this particular episode to kind of show the practical application of social engineering for ESFPs uh, so that you can kind of see how it would work out and also how an ENTP can emulate uh, the ISFJ because ISFJ is the type that you should be emulating when you are approaching an ESFP and uh, you take it from there, right? So that's kind of the direction that we're doing. I just wanted to lay that foundation real quick just so that we are kind of, you know, have some kind of a shared understanding here. Uh, so yeah. Uh, also, the uh, scenario that I picked out, uh, this one, again, hits close to home. So uh, this uh, scenario was basically, you know, yes, how to social engineer ESFPs, but the scenario is basically divorce. Um, I ended up divorcing uh, my ex-wife, who is an ESFP, exactly one year ago, I think, to the day. Uh, and this divorce occurred, like, we signed, we signed the papers on Thanksgiving, uh, last year, uh, officially. Uh, so 
that's uh, when it was all said and done, like everything was completely over. And that is basically 11 years of marriage completely gone. Uh, so, but why, why did that happen? Uh, so I, this is actually be a bit more, you know, private information uh, to like reveal about uh, my marriage and some of the struggles that I had uh, specifically. Uh, some of you who are watching this actually know about these struggles ahead of time. Uh, some of you may have had similar struggles that I did, but that's just kind of how it went. So for me, uh, I I had uh, met my ex-wife in university uh, when, uh, when we were in university uh, in Fremont, California. And uh, she was a pretty cool person uh, to me. Uh, and uh, I, I, I would I would hope I was a cool person to her and whatnot, but eventually after uh, seeing each other for about a year, year and a half, we decided to get married. And then we ended up married, like I was like 19 at the time. That's why I could say like, oh yeah, I'm 31 years old, but I was also married for 11 years, right? So there there was uh, definitely a long stint of time that happened during our marriage. Uh, so with that being said, uh, I met her, dated her for at least a year or so, and then we got married. And then the wheels really started to fall apart between the two of us uh, right at that point in time. Actually, on the day that we said our wedding vows, I remember after saying our vows, she comes up to me and she's like, hey, by the way, sex is not an important part of our marriage. We won't be having it. And then she like basically canceled the honeymoon. So yes, I have never actually had a honeymoon, uh, even though I was married for 11 years. Uh, so that was basically a disaster. And of course, by now you're like thinking, so why did you stay with her so long? So why didn't you seek annulment? So are you out of your mind? And, and, and quite frankly, I will admit, uh, yes, I was out of my mind. Let me show you how much out of my mind I actually was. One, I was a nice guy. I had textbook nice guy syndrome. If you don't know what nice guy syndrome is, go to my website, csjoseph.life, click on books, uh, go to essential reading for men and buy yourself a copy of No More Mr. Nice Guy and read that book. If you haven't read that book and you are a member of the male gender, what are you doing? Like seriously, figure that out. Go read that book. So. I had textbook nice guy syndrome, and, com and in combination with having the nice guy syndrome, I was also very heavily involved uh, with my with my uh, religious belief system, uh, my church. Uh, you know, as as part of my family, I had SI inferior. It dominated my experience, even though I don't talk, even though I don't go to church for 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 the most part nowadays. Uh, and I'm very anti church. Uh, you you see me talk about religious or spiritual concepts or even biblical concepts on a regular basis on this channel. And you know what? That's just who I am, right? I, I know it bothers people, but I can't stop being who I am because I have to be 100% real with this audience. You know, and I'm not telling you that, oh, you need to go to church. I'm not telling you to, you know, uh, uh, get saved or anything like that. I, I don't care about that. I, I don't, I don't care. I, I'm sorry, I don't care. I'm not here to convert you. I'm not, I'm not here to do any of that. I don't care. What I care about is telling the truth and, and sharing wisdom, right? And then it's up to you. So if you wanna take many grains of salt, by all means, salt yourself and, and you're good to go. You don't necessarily have to listen to me. But I was really involved, uh, I was involved, my family involved with the church and they basically dominated my thinking until I was about 
26. 26 is when I started to actually pull out of that. I'm 31 now, so I've been out of it for about five years, okay? So soon to be six years uh, coming up very soon, which I am very proud of and thankful for, and I have a lot to thank my INFJ mentor for basically burning all of the lies away and allowing what what truths uh, were left to you know stand uh, by themselves. And then I, I began to rebuild my life and my way of thinking and my foundation as a human being instead of allowing myself to allow someone on a pulpit to dictate my life. But why is this relevant to social engineering ESFPs? Well, this is very relevant for the purpose of this story and this scenario because I had nice guy syndrome and I was really involved in religion and churchianity to a point where I would, I, we'd go do counseling together many, many, many times. And it was just an absolute disaster. It was so much a disaster. I could actually count the amount of sexual encounters that we had on my toes and my hands, actually. So that like really sucks, especially for SI inferior, because I'm sorry, SI inferior is very uh, sexual. Like NPs are very sexual beings in as much as NJs are very sexual beings. And um, and because of that, you know, with, with NJs being more sensual and uh, NPs being more sensible, right? So it, it's kind of, it's kind of uh, difficult to say the least that I definitely had a hard time, but then again, she didn't really respect me. And I come to find out later halfway through our marriage that she kind of really only got with me because of a rebound. I was actually rebound and I didn't really find out about the details about that until like halfway through our marriage. But again, nice guy syndrome was present within my psyche. I couldn't break away. I didn't understand that. And it all like dominated my life. And I was basically a slave per se to this horrible marriage at the time which somehow by some miracle, we were actually to have two children in the process, which I love very dearly and I take care of and I maintain them consistently. But this eventually led, and I know we're getting there, we're getting, so bear with me with the social engineering component, we're getting there. I, I have to lay down this foundation. So, uh, which eventually led uh, to me going to Vegas one time with my cousins. I had owned a, I owned a gun manufacturing company at the time. I was manufacturing uh, firearms uh, for the Seattle SWAT team and various other uh, police, uh, uh, police and law enforcement groups in the state of Washington at the time. And um, we made these amazing weapons called Kushna Pups. I recommend you look them up. Um, they're pretty dope. Uh, but uh, K-U-S-H-N-A-P-U-P -P, for those that care. Uh, anyway, if you don't care, then don't worry about it. Uh, the point is, uh, you know, uh, so our marriage was absolutely horrible. It just was. It was horrible. I, had, I was a nice guy. I couldn't get through it. So I went to the SHOT Show uh, in uh, Vegas because it was the big trade show for firearms manufacturers. And I was a firearms manufacturer at the time. Uh, Class 7 licensed the works. And uh, at the SHOT Show, uh, my... ESTP cousin and my ISTP cousin basically social engineered me into going to a strip club with them. And I went there, I felt really guilty about it. And uh, I refused like so many of the women, so many of the women like the entire time. And then like I had this one ENTJ Asian chick come up behind me and start sassing me and pushing me around basically. And then I caved, I caved to her because it was nice that I ended up getting the idea that I was like wanted, even though technically, I mean, she's just doing her job as a stripper. Let's be honest, that's not actually real. But um, but her sass and the fact that she went out of her way to attempt to break me 
was a different experience than I had before. Uh, and I had not really had any uh, sexual relationships with other women at that time. Because uh, currently at that time, to my knowledge, yes, that's true. Uh, my wife, my ESFP wife, was the only sexual experience that I'd had, right? So anyway, I had an epiphany uh, as a result of getting a, lamp a lap dance uh, from this woman, and uh, I, I realized that I was missing out. I was missing out on life, and my nice guy syndrome was a problem, and I wasn't going to take it anymore. So when the Vegas trip ended, uh, when the Vegas trip ended, I had vowed to myself that I would never allow myself to become that unhappy or disrespected ever again, and I was going to assert my manhood. So I basically walked into the building a man-child and left the building a man after the result of having that epiphany. I went home to my wife and I explained to her, hey, you can divorce me right now or you can agree to allow me to see other people. That's literally what happened. I told her about the strip club experience. I was completely upfront about it uh, with her. I didn't hide anything or anything like that. She got very, very angry with me. And then two days later, she came back to me. And then she said, oh, hey, guess what? Uh, I decided that I would be okay with you to see other people, provided you make a promise to me. And this is the kicker. This is probably the most important point, uh, potentially this entire lecture, is this promise. She said, I'll let you see other people, but you have to promise me that you will never abandon me or the children. And I made that promise to her. I said, yes, I will not abandon you or our children whatsoever. And I made good on that promise. I have kept my word to this day. And we're going to actually talk about, through social engineering ESFPs, how I've actually kept my word uh, throughout, uh, throughout our relationship since then. And it's interesting that after, you know, now that we're divorced and, and whatnot, and, uh, like, and it was like when I was 27 and whatnot, she agreed to allow me to see other people when I was 27. And, uh, since 27, even though I was still technically married to her, that's when I started having sexual relationships with other women as a result of having her permission to do so, right? She gave me permission, which is technically not cheating for all of you out here saying, oh, you're a dirty cheater. And it's like, no, actually cheating is when you're, you're having sexual relationships with other people without permission. And so like, if you have permission, it's completely different and not technically cheating. So like, get off your high horse, like seriously, I'm just being real here. And if you don't like what I have to say, get over it or have many grains of salt or put up with it because I already have to put up with everybody else in this world uh, and put up with a whole bunch of things that I don't like agree with or whatnot, but I have to. So why can't you put up with me? Please like figure that out. Like why not, right? So with that being said, she, uh, we had that agreement. I started seeing other people and then, uh, and then something bad happened uh, with her family and I told her she needed to move. So she moved uh, to her family, took the children with her. I was trying to get another job and then we just continued to make it work. And I always made sure that she had everything that she needed and that the children had everything that they needed. And to this day, I maintain that commitment. So that is the number one lesson, the number one lesson of social engineering and ESFP. It's this. Commitment. Commitment is the key. That, in summary, is the key to social engineering ESFPs. It's commitments and making good on your word, basically. Making good on your word. Very important. So, but why is that? 
Why is that? Well, because remember, ESFPs, they need consistency. Consistency is everything. And what type is the most consistent of all the types? What type is the most consistent in keeping their word? What type, you see what I'm saying? Like, what type does do ESFPs jive with to be able to do that? Well, the answer to that is their highest compatible type, known as the ISFJ, the defender, which guess what? I have an ISFJ inside of me. It's my subconscious, right? So I would have to emulate ISFJ. So here's the scenario. I realized that after we had moved to California, I was still seeing other people that our relationship ultimately was unsustainable and divorce was inevitable. But because I'm, I'm NI nemesis, my NI nemesis is like, well, a divorce is going to be, a, is a very scary thing and it scares SI inferior. It's, it's a very scary thing. So what do you do when you're in that situation and it's very scary? What do you do, right? Well, the answer to that question is you make preparations and I prepared and I worked hard because I knew what I wanted out of the divorce, which was one, I wanted our debts to be completely separate. I didn't wanna to have to pay her debt. I didn't want to deal with living in shame or, or living in guilt, that is, living with the guilt that she's having to pay some of my debt. So no, we're not going to do that. Uh, I didn't wanna pay alimony either. I didn't agree with that and I, I wanted to have a divorce with no alimony. And, uh, and I, wanted, uh, I wanted the state of California to have nothing with visitation or anything. And she also you know, had, had that same point of view. But here's all the things that I wanted in, in the divorce. And it's like, okay, well, I need to make sure that I am working hard to that end, time to do some social engineering. So that's what I did. And this particular social engineering uh, scenario took years. It took two solid years of hard work and social engineering to actually pull this off. Two years. Now, now, let me tell you, it is the results of this has been actually very beneficial because the main result of this is that my relationship with her has been the best it's ever been. Because while we were married, it was absolutely horrible. But since then, it's even been better. And we've been approaching parenting from the point of view of, you know, we are a team and we handle it, right? So that's how it goes. So how do you social engineer an ESFP? We're going to utilize the scenario of divorce, right? I had to divorce an ESFP. I had to emulate ISFJ in order to make sure that her needs were met in such a way where she would end up agreeing to everything that I wanted in order to gain the ideal divorce, which I did. So. How do, how, how do we do that? So remember, the hero, uh, the hero is an, hold on, let's see here. The hero is a very optimistic function. So we're gonna put optimistic here. We're gonna put pessimistic for the parent. And do optimistic, pessimistic, optimistic, pessimistic, optimistic. Pessimistic. Okay. Awesome. So optimistic, pessimistic. So the hero is an optimistic function. The child is an optimistic function. And obviously the number one goal with social engineering anybody is that you want to make sure that you have their optimistic functions on your side. If you gain the optimistic functions on your side, the pessimistic functions will leave you alone and then eventually you'll gain what you want, right? So very, very important. It, because remember, uh, if, 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 
if the if you have the parent function after you or the inferior function with fear and insecurity after you you're not going to get anywhere you're not going to win and it's going to turn into worst case scenario which for me was paying this huge amount of alimony for the rest of my life paying this huge amount of child support for the rest of my life because the state of california sucks and favors women automatically and then uh me being financially strapped and basically while simultaneously suffering really bad visitation rights and never really having the opportunity to see my children again because men in uh you know in the courtroom when it comes to uh, divorce uh, typically lose absolutely horribly in the state of california if not basically anywhere else in first world society which continues to contribute to the fatherlessness and is why i'm motivated to actually do this channel right that's a problem so how do you deal with it? Like, how do you get around that? Well, in this particular situation, I had to adjust my behavior to behave like an ISFJ in order for my ESFP wife to uh, be willing to work with me, to be willing to give me the ideal divorce, right? And we do that through the number one thing, which is introverted sensing hero, which provides consistency. Because consistency and loyalty are everything you know why is that well it's because se hero se hero needs consistency se hero needs to see loyalty it's very very important to se hero it's 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 a it's a requirement because se hero needs to see what other people are doing and they're constantly aware of what other people are doing oh that person's not harming me ever that person has been consistently there for me and consistently reliable for me so what i would do anytime she'd ever call me for anything doesn't matter i would immediately stop what i was doing i still do that to this day if she calls me i stop what i'm doing i could be in a meeting uh in front of executives in silicon valley if she calls me i stop what i'm doing gentlemen i have to take this call i do not have a choice they respect that i walk out the room i answer the phone hey what do you need consistency consistency is everything to esfps without that consistency or that reliability nothing and because you're consistent with them their fi parent actually ends up feeling valued because that's what they want they want to feel they want to feel good that you think highly enough that you're so thoughtful enough towards them that they will realize that you are reliable that you are trustworthy because that's another thing they need you need to demonstrate trustworthiness i mean because if you don't <laughs> guess what's going to happen their expert intuition demon is going to destroy your future. And I was aware that the demon was always in play, and I didn't want her expert intuition demon consuming my introvert intuition nemesis. That was a huge issue. Definitely not something I wanted to do at all. And it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter uh, what the situation is or what the scenario is. Extrovert intuition demon, when you're dealing with an SE hero, is definitely a problem because they will go out of your, their way to do such permanent damage to you that your future will actually be destroyed as a result of that permanent damage. And they don't care because from their point of view, their future is the only thing that's important. And they're going to hit you so hard with their SE hero and give you an experience you will never forget that it will actually permanently damage your future. And I knew that that was a risk. And because of that, well, this divorce and this whole situation needs to be handled gently and with care. So again, I demonstrated consistency in order to prevent that by always answering the phone. And if she needed something, I would get it for her. <laughs> Oftentimes, uh, you know, the women that I would uh, that I would be dating, you know, uh, during that whole process and seeing me go through the divorce and whatnot, 
I'd get criticized by them. I would get criticized by them consistently. Oh, you always bend over to her, or oh, you always giving her everything she wants, or you always answer the phone when she calls, and why do you value her more than me? And you know, it just kept on going on and on and on and on and on. Like they'd always do this, and I'm like, listen, just let me handle it, okay? This is my life here. There's a reason for this. When it's all over, you'll see. And funnily enough, yeah, that's exactly what happened. The divorce occurred, and it's like, oh, okay, now I see why you work so hard. Oh, yeah, mm, now you see. Okay, okay, NJs, you know, NJs who ha who live in the moment and can't see what's going to be happening in the future, right? Just like I can. They can see what happens in their future because their future is all they care about. But when it comes to mine, oh, no, you must, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, no, I wasn't doing it wrong. I was playing the most dangerous game. I didn't want my future to be destroyed. I didn't want my ability to see my children taken away from me. So I had to be wise. And I did that by being as harmless as doves, but as wise as serpents. So, so anyway, social engineering the ESFP, very important. You go for the optimistic functions and you avoid the pessimistic functions. Now for ESFPs, they're very afraid. They're very insecure about what they want and for their own future. It's very, very difficult for them. So how do you get around that? Well, Like, like, for example, um, like, because eventually they're going to know what they want. It, it, especially, like, if they see that you're being disloyal with their hero, because the hero and the inferior are linked together, if you don't know that they're linked together, maybe you should, like, watch season five. It talks about cognitive synchronicity. But these two functions are linked together. And, and as much as these two functions as well are linked to each other, my arrows are terrible today for some reason. But uh, these two functions are also linked together. So if this SE hero believes that you are being disloyal, they're going to want to destroy you by default. They're going to want to make sure that they get everything that they could possibly get out of you, especially in a divorce situation, no matter how combative it is. Because it doesn't matter if it's true or not, they will make believe, the ESFP will believe that you owe them, even though you don't. But they will believe it and they will go out of their way to absolutely take everything you have, right? In this divorce situation, I knew the risks and I knew that that is not something that I wanted, right? And, and I knew that that was something that was not fair. So I had to be extra careful, right? So the inferior function is like, I'm really afraid of what I want, right? So I have to come in with the ISFJ and be like, oh, don't worry. You can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want because I have any inferior and we're just gonna let you make the choice. And that's what I did. That's why this entire process took two years. I never actually initiated the divorce. I never did. This actually reminds me of a scene uh, in this movie called Big Fat Greek Wedding where the mother of the woman who's the main character of the story is trying to explain to her about how her father has to be the decision maker. And you know, the women of the house are, are the neck and the head, and the, and the man of the house is the head, but the neck turns the head, right? And all that uh, decision-making and whatnot. That's literally what ended up have, that's literally what I, as emulating I, ISFJ, had to do for my ESFP wife at the time, because I never actually ended up initiating the divorce process. Because I knew one day, that she would want to get a divorce because she would want to get into another relationship with somebody else. I knew that that was a priority for her one day. It wasn't right now. 
at that point in time. At that point in time, it was not her priority, but I knew it would become a priority. And then I knew that if I maintained consistency, if I demonstrated loyalty to her consistently, then she would actually initiate the divorce process on herself uh, or with herself. She would do it with me herself and that she would initiate with me. And then I, as emulating ISFJ, would be responding instead of being ENTP ego and initiating the process myself, which is funny because a lot of the uh, NJ women in my life would be criticizing me consistently about why aren't you the one initiating the divorce? Because it's not wise. That's why. So through that wisdom, I was patient. Well, guess what? ISFJs are patient. They are like rocks. They are the immovable object. And I was patient. I knew it was coming. It was inevitable. So I just waited and bided my time. And I was consistent to her. I kept my word to her. I was loyal to her. And I still am to this day because it's what she needs. And I was meeting her needs. As a result of that, she actually was not insecure about initiating the divorce process herself. So she actually initiated. She wasn't afraid. She was not afraid of their NI inferior and she aspired because why? She was okay with wanting to start the divorce because she knew that I was consistent and loyal to her because years prior, because remember we got divorced one year ago, so that and and uh, so that would be like I would I was like 30 years old then right so which means and then I made that promise to not leave her and the children when uh, I was 27 right so for just over three years maybe four years but just over three years we'll say I made that promise to never abandon her and the children and I kept that consistency I became the immovable object I became the ISFJ subconscious and I used my ISFJ subconscious to cons to consistently demonstrate loyalty to her over and over to the point like where I'd even uh, I'd even show up to the house and I'd use I'd use Effie parent because FI parent she she just feels so bad she feels so overwhelmed with the children the grass wasn't getting cut the yard looked her terrible. I, I knew that the uh, the homeowners association was going to come after her about it. So you know what I did? I didn't even ask for permission. I just parked my car after driving three hours to her house and went right into her uh, shed in the back, pulled out the lawnmower, and I mowed that whole lawn for her. You know, I did that multiple times. And I mowed the whole lawn just to make sure that the HOA was not on her back to make her feel good, right? So I was made sure that I was caring because Effie Parent of the ISFJ is very caring and the caring, and I end up caring for Effie Parent. Not only was I so caring, like I, I remember buying her a Michael Kors bag for, for Christmas, for example. Like every time she had a birthday, every time she had a Christmas, I always made sure that I had gifts, thoughtful gifts, okay? Because remember, TI child is very thoughtful. You have to be as thoughtful as possible. And that TE child needs to feel, you know, needs other people to be thoughtful of the child. So the child and the FI parent are very happy. So I was thoughtful. I always made sure I had thoughtful gifts on her birthdays and Christmas time. Whenever she called me and she needed money, I'm like, okay, well, how much do you need and why? She'd tell me and I'd give her the money and she'd handle it, right? She always knew that I was consistently reliable and I was always there for her. She didn't have any other man in her life, right? 
She didn't at all. Sure, she had her parents and whatnot. Her parents are great, let me tell you. But that's not what it was about. She had to rely on me, the father of her children. Because from my point of view, if I... If she was financially compromised in any way, shape, or form, so also my children would be compromised as well. I'm not okay with that. You see what I'm saying? Because of that, I made sure that I was thoughtful towards her, especially in a financial way, and I made sure that she, I was caring for her in that way. Whenever she'd call me, I answered the question, I'd answer the phone. If she needed money, I'd give it to her. I got so much hell from the NJ win in my life that I was dating at the time. So much hell for that so much from like three of them as I was going through this process, as I knew this long-term campaign of, I want the ideal divorce. I know divorce is inevitable. I don't want it to turn into a shit show. So I have to social engineer my ESFP wife in order to get the best outcome. Because remember, order determines outcome. If you want the ideal outcome or the best outcome or a great outcome, you better make sure that you are positioning yourself for that great outcome by exercising the best order. You need to get a good order, right? So that's what I did. So let's walk, let's walk it through this. So Essie here was, was seeing that I was consistent and reliable and I was loyal to her to a fault, to the point where I would even cancel dates, I would even cancel big things. If she called and she needed me, I would show up. We had a few emergencies a few times. Uh, like her car broke down and the children, needed, the children needed to be picked up. I had to drive three hours and stop my job to go pick up the children, make sure they were safe. That's what I would do. I went the extra mile, right? And that SI hero, ISFJ, emulated ISFJ consistency, that loyalty, was that reliability was always there. So SE hero was very happy about that, which automatically translated down to NI inferior and did not make her afraid to initiate the divorce process with me. And she initiated it. And you know what she asked? Hey, what do you want in the divorce? And we literally had our entire divorce uh, negotiated in 15 minutes on a napkin. And I took that napkin to my lawyer. She told me, okay, great. You go hire a lawyer. As a hero was telling me, it's your obligation now to go hire a lawyer because, you know, just do it. Hire the lawyer. Take the napkin to them, have them draw up the paperwork, and I'll sign it. What? So we negotiated. And it was great. And the terms of our divorce were excellent, right? And so then I did that. And, uh, and then she saw that her, her TE child saw that the paperwork was exactly what we agreed. No funny business and whatnot. She saw that I was thoughtful about it. I remember one time going, talking to the lawyer. And the lawyer's like, you know, hey, there's this... Uh, there's this custody issue and there's the primary parent issue. Uh, we could write it in this way to kind of give you more favor on this. And I'm like, no, I'm not comfortable with that. It could be a problem. So I called her and I'm like, hey, listen, the lawyer asked this question and uh, it involves custody and who's the primary parent and this and that, blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, and then she's like, well, uh, well, I, I want it to be this way. And I'm like, okay, sure. That sounds fair to me. We can do that. The fact that I actually did that, that, that I was open with her, that I was honest with her. Remember, she needs me to be trustworthy. TE child desires trustworthy. FI parent is not going to feel good about me. FI parent is not gonna feel cared for if TE child is not confronted with somebody who is thoughtful towards them. The fact that I was thoughtful towards, them, towards her and 
called her, brought it to her attention, and admitted to her, hey, the, the lawyer wanted to write it this way, but if she writes it this way, it will give me a clear advantage. And I don't think that's fair, so I wanted you to have the option to say yes or no on that. And I could tell she was very happy very happy that I gave her the option, very happy that I didn't hide it from her or that I was trying, that I did, wasn't trying to manipulate her in that way in a negative way, you know, and that I wasn't trying to take advantage of her and that I told her about it and she's like, oh, well, let's just write it this way instead. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's, that's, that is fair. That, that meets your needs. That meets my needs. Very well negotiated. That was fair. But the fact that I was thoughtful enough to actually bring it up to her is something that was like, oh, wow, you know, and then very good. So, I was very thoughtful, right? And I went to the lawyer. We had the, uh, the paperwork adjusted, you know, with that, uh, that additional piece of the agreement, and it was good to go. Then <laughs> I called her and told her it was done. Do you know what she did? She actually drove three hours across the state and looked at the paperwork and signed it herself in my presence after my lawyer served it to her, right? Or at least the person that I had hired to prepare the paperwork, right? And, they, and she was literally served, driving to their office, got served, signed the paperwork, got the paperwork together, and we sent it off to the courthouse. Easy peasy, right? Well, she wasn't afraid. I was consistent. I had the hero working for me right off the bat. The FI parent, it was really more difficult, but I made sure that whenever I could, I could show her inner child that I was thoughtful, as thoughtful as possible. And then by being thoughtful, for her, the FI parent was like, oh, I feel good about this. I feel good about this divorce. I know that he is not going to abandon me or the children. He has made good on his word for the last few years. I feel good about this, right? So I didn't have to worry about the FI parent. I didn't have to worry about the NI inferior because I was consistent for her hero and I was thoughtful for her child. And when I, and as a result of being consistent for her SE hero, her NI inferior automatically was not afraid. And then because I was very thoughtful towards her TE child, her FI parent felt good about it the entire way. That is how you social engineer an ESFP. Ah, but hold on. Let's look at the lower functions. SI Nemesis. SI Nemesis worried in the past about how all the other men has screwed her in the past, right? And how that's an issue, right? Well, then I would always make sure that she would be getting a good experience, right? And that when she demonstrated loyal behavior, I always made sure that she would get a good experience, that she would get what she needed, right? Even before she would even ask. And then I'd be like, hey, you know, I made sure I got these extra clothes for the children, or hey, I got you this, or hey, uh, here's this, um, or hey, I paid off your car. Like, I actually did that. I actually paid off, I, I, I paid off, I agreed to, and I paid off her vehicle. Didn't have to do that, but I did. It was important to me, again, to show that consistency, you know, and, uh, and because of that, you know, I was giving her a good experience throughout the entire process. I, I handled all of the, the lawyer expenses. I handled most of the travel. I handled the paperwork. I handled con, uh, con, uh, talking to, uh, to the lawyer and whatnot. I handled, uh, handled everything. And then it worked out great. She had no issue with it whatsoever and allowed basically, allowed the entire process to be done in my hands throughout the entire process. Because from her point of view, I checked every box 
crossed every T, dotted every I for her benefit because I made it about her. Because remember, ESFP's FI parent is somewhat innately selfish and it is all about what they feel like, what their mood is, and what they want. It is about them. So I made it about them because that's what ISFJs do. They make it about other people, right? So that's what I did. I emulated ISFJ to make it about her so that she would actually want to not only initiate the divorce, but want to negotiate with me in a way that ended up being, you know, in my favor and her favor. But I ended up getting everything she wanted. She got everything she wanted. No drama, right? Her nemesis wasn't worried that she'd gotten screwed in the past because of me. Because guess what? I was super consistent and I was always giving her a good experience. I had almost that customer service relationship with her. I treated her like she was like my most important customer, still do to this day. And I sought to meet her needs. So because ISFJs, they worry that they are giving other people a bad experience. They worry that they're not meeting other people's needs. So I emulated worry that I wasn't meeting her needs. And I'd always ask her, hey, do you need this? Do you need that? You know, very self-sacrificing. Gosh, I got so much hell for that from the NJ women that I was dating at the time. Wow. You know, but that was a serious issue. And then her Effie critic. See, Effie critic can be a serious problem because it's like, oh, you know, oh, you're trying to manipulate me into this because if my parents like, you know, if I'm trying to emotionally manipulate her through the whole process, right? And, and to get the uh, ideal divorce I want, you know, she, she'll automatically assume that I'm trying to guilt her into things. You know, well, you did this for, for me and I, I think I deserve this better, blah, blah, blah. I never, ever, ever made it about what I deserve. I never, ever, ever made it about me because guess what? ISFJs, they don't do that. They're so critical towards their own self-worth because they have FI critic that I was not ever going to make it about me. I never one time made the divorce about me, even though I knew what I wanted and I knew what my goals were, but I never talked about it, right? Until, unless she asked, unless she initiated the process, then I would talk about it. And you know what? There were some times when she would get a little bit insecure, a little bit afraid, her NI inferior was a little afraid that it wasn't going to work out here and there. But then I ramped up the consistency, the loyalty, the reliability for her. And I demonstrated that she didn't need to worry about it. Even after the divorce was all said and done, I still hadn't uh, paid off her car, but I still did. I still did. I paid off her vehicle, like completely, just, you know, I got I got a really good commission check one, one, uh, one month and I'm like, boom. Vehicle's gone. The, the, the car payment's gone. It is fully paid off. Go get the title. You're good to go. And uh, take my name off it. It's your vehicle. Have fun. And it's a very nice Subaru. And I, and I like that vehicle a lot. And they definitely get some off-roading time in that thing. You know, especially with since her parents live out way out in the boonies, if you know what I'm saying. But the point is, she didn't have to worry about me guilting her. Because if I was guilting her, then she'd start making bad decisions with her TI trickster because she just, and it just goes full on beliefs and she'll start believing things that are not even true. She'll start believing things that other people would tell her, right? I, because here's the thing, I had to be true to her and, and so loyal to her because if I didn't, her friends, her girlfriends, her family would automatically assume, automatically assume, because this is what happens to men who go through divorces, right? 
they automatically assume that we're in the wrong in the same way that the court system and the, and the law system automatically assumes that we are wrong by default. They just automatically assume that. And I knew that was a risk. So I had to be ISFJ subconscious to demonstrate to not just her, but her family and her friends who knew about this divorce situation, right? And based on that, well, then I didn't have to worry about her TE child getting away from me because I was very thoughtful to her demonstrating that and her TI trickster did not allow her TE child to then start believing the wrong things about me because she always knew that I was consistent because she always knew that I was thoughtful towards her because she always knew I was careful towards her because she always knew I gave her freedom of choice. See, that's the thing. Remember, the divorce ultimately was her choice. She initiated the process. I made it her choice. I knew it was inevitable that she would make that choice. So I worked very hard up until that point that she actually made that choice to divorce, right? When she finally made that choice to divorce and we handled everything, but it was her making the choice. Just like the neck turns the head, right? And my big fat Greek wedding, which I recommend you watch that movie. It's kind of interesting. Although I don't really like the guy because I think he has nice guy syndrome, just saying. Um, but fair enough. And then obviously any demon, we got to be careful with any demon, any demon, you know, any demon was taken care of though, because I was consistently giving her a good experience, almost like a, like a, like, you know, customer service. Like she's literally my best customer, right? I always stop what I'm doing. I'm constantly giving her a good experience. And then the, any demon doesn't have to worry about it anymore. And then she doesn't start believing lies about me because I'm making sure that I'm always doing the good thing by her consistently, right? And not making it about me. It's not about me. It was always about her in this situation. For two years, I had to do this, right? And I did it. And you know what? I still do it to this day because it is important to me that she is not compromised because if she is compromised, then my children are compromised and I cannot live with myself if that is the case. I love my little ones dearly, my INFJ seven-year-old and my ISTJ four-year-old, right? They mean everything to me. And their well-being is very important. So I'm not here to compromise their mother. But because I know she's an ESFP, because I know that TE child can just start believing things that everyone else thinks about me, even though there's no basis in fact, and facts don't mean much to them because they have TI trickster, it's all about belief. And if everyone believes that I'm a jackass and I have the reputation of being a jackass, she's not going to feel safe enough to go through a divorce process with me where I end up not having to pay her alimony, right? Or I don't have to pay exorbitant child support, or I end up paying all of her debt, right? You see what I'm saying? It's absolute nightmare. And that risk was on the field. And that TE child can absolutely get away from that and start believing those things. So instead, I had to get ahead of those beliefs forming. Because I knew that if I did nothing, the default, you know, failure is the default, right? She would have believed wrong things about me. So I decided to immediately emulate ISFJ. It's like, oh, ooh, divorce is inevitable. Divorce is coming. Okay, time to turn on my ISFJ mode. Time to make sure I do all these things for her, social engineer her in this positive way so that when the time comes for her to finally make the choice, because remember, it's not about me when it comes to her, because if I made it about me and if I'm the one that initiated the process, it would have absolutely turned into a disaster. 
and I would have lost everything. And quite frankly, I probably wouldn't be here talking to you on this camera right now. But be as harmless as doves, but as wise as serpents. And I decided to be wise. And the wise decision was to emulate ISFJ, being consistent and loyal to her, being caring to her consistently, being thoughtful towards her all the time, giving her freedom of choice, giving her amazing customer service and giving her a good experience, etc. Serving her. It's all about service. I was consistently serving her. I'd come in to her house. I'd do the dishes. I'd bring food. I would cut the grass, right? I paid off her car. I'd get her car fixed. I'd get her car detailed and cleaned, right? And I would do this consistently because I wanted there to be an excellent outcome for the divorce. And all of my hard work paid off. I ended up getting joint physical and legal custody over the children without the state telling me when I can and cannot see the children. I'm so thankful for that. I ended up not having to pay alimony. I'm so thankful for that. The state of California is not mandating me to pay child support. Yet I still write her a big check every month anyway because I don't want her to be compromised because if she is, then my children are. You see what I'm saying? So ESFPs, that's how you do it. That's how you social engineer them. Give the SE hero the consistency it needs so that the NI inferior is not afraid because they're, they're afraid by default. They're automatically going to say no by default. Get ahead of those bad beliefs that the child can end up having and then causing the parent to feel bad about you. And then as a result, never be in the mood to do anything. Never feel good about any deal that is not overtly or overly in their favor. You got to watch out with TE Child because TE Child, if they do an agreement or a contract or a divorce or anything, this counts for ENFPs and ESFPs, they both do this. That TE Child, if that TE Child... Okay, if that TE child does not feel good about you through their FI parent, if FI parent does not feel good about you and that TE child is believing lies about you, they are going to make sure that that contract, because you don't have that great of a reputation, is way more in their favor, even though the facts are not necessary. But if they believe that about you, it's going to be overtly in their favor. And I would have lost way more in this divorce. Funny thing. After this was divorce is over, our relationship's been the best it's ever been compared to like when we were married. Because she she knows I'm there for her. She knows I'm reliable. She knows that she can trust me. She knows that I'm still committed to her and the children, even though I'm in relationships with other people, even though we're divorced, because I still treat her as treat her based on who she is. The mother of my children. And a member of my immediate family. Because, you know, at the end of the day, that's what she deserves. She's the mother of my children. And I'm consistent, I'm loyal, I'm caring, I'm thoughtful. I give her the choice. I serve her, you know, within reason, of course. With, um, obviously, I'm not here to uh, allow someone else to take advantage of me. But I knew it was necessary to do this social engineering campaign and emulate ISFJ if I was going to get a good result for this divorce. 
It was the only way. It was the absolute only way to see it through. And that's what I did. And I did it by being honorable and being that immovable object, knowing that when she calls me, I always pick up the phone and I'm always there for her. Everyone else is secondary because that is what had to happen in order to pull this off. And I did. So don't tell me, men out there, do not tell me that you can't get a divorce and be successful. Because guess what? I did. And even though the divorce is over, I am still reliable and I am still consistent and I am still committed to her and my children to this very day. So don't tell me that you can't. And quite frankly, this whole situation is just another example as to why I do what I do. Why I'm on YouTube and on the podcast or wherever I am here on the internet and why people are listening to me and whatnot. It's, just, it's this situation. I regret that I made the poor decision to be married to this woman. I regret it. And I regret, you know, the fact that it went down south and I had nice guy syndrome and didn't end it before I should have, basically. And I drew it out. But we have two amazing children as a result. And it is not about me. It is not about her. It is about the two children. It is about making sure that my son, when he comes of age, that I respect him when he comes of age. Even more so that he respects me. The same thing for my daughter, right? It's about them. See, oftentimes I struggle with the guilt that, you know, I am contributing to the fatherlessness. I hope that through my behavior with her and the children today, after our divorce and everything that I did for her during the divorce and social engineering her for the ideal divorce, that as a result of that situation, you know, I'm not actually contributing to the fatherlessness because I often feel like I'm a hypocrite. See what I'm saying? So based on that, it's very, very important. People need to learn this stuff so they can have good relationships with each other, so they can keep their families together, so they're not splitting up their relationships and then as a result, the children don't have their parents anymore, which creates fatherlessness, which creates death of the mature masculine, which ends up destroying society as we know it and both genders forever and ever. We cannot allow that to happen. So I have to live by example. And this is one of the things that I had to do and live by example. Yes, it was a social engineering campaign that took years, but I pulled it off for our mutual benefit and also for the benefit of our children because both of us are not compromised as a result of this divorce. Neither one of us is compromised and both of us got everything that we wanted in this divorce and we made it work just as we always have because it's not about me, it's not about her, it's about our little ones who we love dearly. If you found this lecture useful, helpful, educational, enlightening, insightful, please subscribe to the channel here on YouTube and leave a, a comment below and a like. Also subscribe on the podcast while you're at it. If you would like to support this channel, uh, the support links uh, for the podcast and the channel are in the description below. Uh, if you would like to get involved with our uh, Q&A podcast and leave questions to get uh, or uh, 
and also on the Q&A uh, live stream. Uh, if you want to leave your questions there, click on the Discord link below and then join our Discord server and leave your questions in the Q&A channel. Uh, if you want to go to our meetup, please go to our meetup. Uh, the link is also uh, in the channel below. Patreon is coming. Thank you all for 10,000 subscribers. It's amazing, but we have a lot of more work to do. I have over a thousand lectures planned now and we got to get them out. So let's keep it going. Uh, let's keep it running um, and also keep all the additional questions and, and lecture ideas coming. Uh, and thank you for being my audience and thank you for growing with me as I grow. And, and uh, for those of you out there who are also growing in your relationships and within your own selves and coming to know yourselves and know others and treat others the way you want to be treated, right? And, uh, and to love your neighbor as yourself. I'm very thankful for all of you. And, um, and uh, let's, let's continue to walk this journey together because if we do, we will put a stop to the fatherlessness and we will change the world for the better forever and ever. Thank you very much. Y'all have a good night.